My name is Dr. Michaela Keegan Yadley, and I've spent the last 17 years of my career in schools as a teacher and principal. I started the Dissect Ed podcast to help you by using my strengths of connecting and relating to bring amazing guests to you each week. We will cover a wide range of topics related to all aspects of and roles in education. My goal? For you to enjoy and feel successful in your role so we keep amazing teachers and leaders in schools. Thank you for all you do. Take care and enjoy. This podcast episode is brought to you by the 3D Printing Man. Get everything from custom food bowls for your pets to chore lists for your family in more than 15 vibrant colors, all custom designed. Visit his store on Etsy by searching the 3D Printing Man, all one word. Again, that's the 3D Printing Man on Etsy and get 10% off with the code DISSECTED. Hi everyone, Michaela here. Happy to be back with you for another episode of Dissect Dead. This week's format will be a little different. No guests, just me and you. I did this intentionally for a couple of reasons. First, we started off this podcast really diving into burnout, and I wanted to close out that series with a bit of reflecting and synthesizing what we discussed, and also acknowledge that the topic of caring for one's own mental health and physical health has gained a lot of traction, especially over the past week with our Olympic athletes and other advocates with large platforms. Second, I want to give you a preview of the next couple of months worth of episodes so you know what to expect, since the topic of education is vast and there are so many roles within that realm. My hope is that there is something you can take away from each episode, but if there's one that seems to cater to a role you can't really relate to, you can rest assured that following episodes will be episodes you can relate to. Before I get into today's topic, let me tell you what you can look forward to. How to have a flawless school opening day, week, and month with expert Tim Howarth. What college and career counselors and guidance counselors can do in the first month of school to get more students completing their college applications with expert Dave Jose. What students and teachers need as they return to school post-pandemic or maybe kind of back into pandemic uh, with mental health counselor Bob Holdling. How to have difficult conversations with your boss, with career coach Jackie Ross. How to be brave and find humor with professional skydiver and coach Melanie Curtis. Trauma-informed care and instruction, social-emotional learning with powerhouse school social workers, Rose Molina and Amy Polanco. And as always, I'm taking your suggestions for topics to dissect. Today, I want to be as transparent and honest as possible with you as I reflect on and speak to the urgent needs of a specific group, our school principals. Don't get me wrong, I will talk about teachers, district leaders, and their needs as well. But my focus today is on principals for one main reason. They don't have a voice. They aren't protected, but rather are wide open for criticism, much of it not constructive. And they suffer alone feeling isolated and like there is no one who can understand what they are going through. They may try to talk to a supervisor, but way too often their supervisors haven't been school principals. And if they have, it was for a fleeting moment. For secondary principals, it can be even more challenging 
because so many supervisors have little experience leaving high schools and it makes a difference, a big difference. How do I know all this? Because I was a high school principal for eight years. And while at the time I thought I was the only one feeling the way I felt, I have now come to realize that wasn't the case. But the conversation is buried deep underground because there is such a lack of support. The desire to keep the brave face on for all those we serve is something really important to us. And there's also a real sense of fear of retribution if we speak out. Well, that changes today. Over the past few weeks since launching this podcast and providing some insight into why I started my consulting company, MKJ Education and Leadership Consulting, and its mission, I was surprised by how many administrators and former administrators reached out to me privately to thank me for bringing focus to their needs and experiences. This left me a bit confused because I hadn't really said anything specific about the role in the short video clips or in recent podcast segments. I've spent the last week really reflecting on how we seem to understand each other with so few words spoken or typed between us, me with my vague videos and them with their simple notes of gratitude and appreciation. Then it hit me. We've been so used to carrying so much on our shoulders while putting on a happy face as school leaders that we've mastered our own craft of pushing through the stress and overwhelm and isolation, the mental and physical strain, that we can immediately spot it in each other without having to even say much. I have to say that, of course, this may not apply to every school principal, but I know it applies to many, um, and that's why I really wanted to make sure I brought this topic to the forefront today. As I was grappling with the decision to leave my role as principal after just eight years in two separate schools, both successful, and watching excellent teachers leave the profession altogether, I promised myself that I would figure out a way to help keep teachers and leaders in their roles because, quite simply, they're the ones who have the greatest impact on our kids. And great teachers and leaders choose their path because of their love for and dedication to our kids' growth. We need them to stay, and they deserve to be happy and fulfilled. I'm about to get very honest and a little bit raw, something that's extremely difficult for me to do. Because if anyone has mastered the art of the smile in the midst of personal crisis, it's me. And it's always been for the sake of my students, teachers, and colleagues, or anybody actually that I know. <laughs> I didn't want anyone worrying about me, and I still don't. But you don't have to worry because I've gotten myself to a really great place, so I'm all good. The problem is our teachers and administrators were facing challenges that made them want to leave long before COVID changed almost every facet of the job. New data out from Ed Weekly and the National Association of Secondary School Principals reveals that post-pandemic, over 50% of both teachers and administrators wish to leave their jobs. Teachers within the next two years and administrators immediately. Anecdotally, my mom has called me a few times to tell me about the news stories and articles she's seen about superintendents leaving their roles as well. While I'm sad, unfortunately, I'm not surprised. And I know it is more urgent than ever to address this for our teachers and leaders. Excellent teachers and administrators don't leave because of the kids. In fact, they usually stay well beyond burnout because of their love for kids. 
So what's causing this mass exodus, or at least this desire to leave? I'll discuss that through my own story and observations in a minute. But first, let me explain why I'm in a unique position to speak so freely. What allows me to have the unfiltered voice you're about to hear is that I'm free. I'm free from the fear that what I say could result in my being disciplined or ridiculed. I currently work for a wonderful principal, and what I'm going to shed light on happened all prior to where I work now. While there was once a time when I suffered in silence and isolation, largely due to fear, I no longer do. But as I've realized, too many of my colleagues do. So here it goes. My hope is that as you listen, you feel less alone and less isolated. Perhaps you'll feel empowered to determine what you can change about your situation, or if you're in a role that can affect change for teachers and school leaders, I need you to listen, and then I need you to act. I spent eight years collectively as a special education and history teacher in urban high school classrooms, including this past year. These have been my favorite years. Beyond my love for kids and love for teaching, what made the difference was that I felt supported, needed, valued, respected, and was given autonomy by my principal and the administrative team. Was I perfect? Not even close. Was I ever punished for that? Never. I felt safe to take risks, to take a group of kids to Florida in my first year as a teacher to work on a house for Habitat for Humanity. I felt needed. In 2012, I was hired as assistant principal at the lowest performing school in my state. And it was the best five months of my entire career in leadership. You might be wondering two things. How could that possibly be the best time of my career? And why did it last only five months? To answer the first question, my principal was the best principal that has ever led a school. He understands people and their needs. He knew the teachers needed somebody to really support them. And he knew my strength was there. He assembled his team and deployed us based on our strengths and the school's needs. We worked together and I felt challenged, but at the same time supported. To answer the second question, it lasted five months because in January 2013, a unilateral decision was made to move me to another high school to serve as its principal. I graciously declined. However, I was told it wasn't an option. That was on a Tuesday. And by Friday, I was meeting with faculty members at my new school. I was devastated, and I cried in the bathroom in my office every single day. But no one knew that. I was determined to succeed for myself, but more importantly, for the students and teachers there. In my first week, I became the target of an anonymous stalker, a member of my faculty who disguised himself simply as teachers. Countless letters were written about me and widely distributed to teachers in the school and to other people in the school district. I was insulted and lied about, my integrity called into question at every turn. It was horrifying, not just because I was being harassed, but because every time it happened, teachers would turn their focus to me. They felt terribly that this was happening, but I wanted them to just be able to focus on their jobs and not feel sorry for me. So I put on my brave face and my smile and only cried in the bathroom in my office. I always thought it was gross to have a bathroom in my office, but it was a helpful soundproof vault for my tears to flow until I gathered myself and walked back out into the halls with a smile on my face. I can't overstate how hard it is to be responsible for the safety and education of close to a thousand students and over a hundred staff members on a good day, 
never mind when dealing with deeply disturbing things. Over the course of four years, as the harassment escalated, I asked repeatedly for human resources to investigate. They said there was nothing they could do. So I cried at night at home and put the brave face back on the next morning. Years of that was draining, but still I put on that smile and had moments of joy as I watched students accomplish taking college courses in their sophomore year of high school, teachers working together on committees voluntarily to improve the school, teams win championships in a sports program quadrupling in size, and the countless interactions with amazing kids. But putting on that smile gets harder and harder to do when you don't have someone in a position to support you who can you can trust and go to. I kept that smile on as I dealt with the murder of one of our students during the school day, dealing with my own pain and worry as I made sure my students, staff, families were taken care of. When our beloved basketball coach committed suicide one night in early June, I led the crisis team in supporting the devastated teachers, coaches, and students, because that's what we do. I think my supervisor might have asked me once that day if I was okay, and I said yes, lying. Why couldn't I just say that I, it was the worst day of my career up to that point? I'm not sure if I can answer that question even now. The determination to keep going for my students and staff and the unwillingness to fail supported me as I listened to a new superintendent in my third year tell me that he was going to make sure he watched everything I did because he had a grudge against a former boss I had. I'm still not really sure what I was supposed to do about that. And he kept his promise. He mentioned it every single time he visited my building. And the following year, when I had a meeting with him and the tears I had hidden for four years, unfortunately decided to leak out of my eyes during that moment, he told me that one of the most toxic leaders in the entire district was going to be my supervisor the following year. He told me he had no more time for me and it was time to stop crying. I quit the next day. Now, obviously, that was a toxic environment. But do you know how many people are still putting on their brave face leading there? No, things haven't improved. So you can imagine how my heart hurts for the friends and colleagues who are still enduring these conditions. Not all of them are in a position where they can just or will just step away like I did. Once I was in a better organization, was principal, I thought the days of putting on the fake smile and brave face, we'll, we'll call it a mask, were over. But I was wrong. I realized that while the stressors looked different, they weren't less stressful. My father died during my first year there. And my decision to take an extra week to recover from the entire ordeal was called into question. Are you sure you need an extra week? Um, yes, I'd take more if I had the time, but I'm out of days because we don't get that many. <laughs> the following year, I could sense the burnout in my faculty in October. I'm pretty intuitive in being able to keep my finger on the pulse of my faculty is one of the things that I was good at. October. I told my supervisor that we needed to prioritize initiatives and let some others go for the health of our teachers. This is what high expectation looks like, Michaela. Keep your foot on the gas. Half the faculty left at the end of that year. For eight years, I missed family vacations because work always came first, a decision I made. But I made a promise to myself that I would finally go on one. When I requested the time off after my, my mom's twin, my aunt passed, with a thorough explanation, I was met with a whole week. You expect me to approve this? It's unprecedented. 
except another person had taken three weeks off a few months earlier. Over these years, I gained 70 pounds, was diagnosed with anxiety and depression, and put on medications that I'm now struggling to wean off. Since it was situational, I was just in an eight-year situation. <laughs> and I ended up in the hospital twice to be monitored, monitored for a possible heart attack. I, a high-performing Division One high school athlete, um, was now being monitored in my 30s for heart problems. Were these choices I made? Yes. Did I feel like I had another option? No, because to meet the demands of the job that have nothing to do with students and teachers, this is how hard you need to work. You can try to set boundaries like I did with the trip I took or with the time off after my dad passed, but oftentimes it's met with judgment, which can feel even worse than the stress itself. I suffered alone. I couldn't explain it to friends and family, and I, I didn't really want to. I had colleagues who were going through similar feelings, but there wasn't anything we could actually do to make each other's lives any easier. So we would just try to joke around instead. If you're listening to this and you see yourself reflected in any of this, I'm committing to you now that I'm devoting the rest of my career to improving your experience. I'll do that through my company and the services we offer through the podcast, and I'll continue to advocate but they say the first step is to acknowledge there's a problem. And I hope I've helped anyone who didn't know about the mask excellent principles wear just so they can do the best they can for their kids and staff, understand that things need to change. To my listeners, I'm here. You are not alone, no matter your role. I see you and I hear you. If you'd like to talk about this further with me, you can reach me at dissecteddpodcastmkj.com. You can look at the episode notes if you just want to click the link. If I know what you need, this is just the beginning of me supporting you and building a community that will support each other. Until next time, much love and peace as we start a new school year.